You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. When I was a sophomore in college, my parents bought me a car, which was an, an incredible gift. I didn't, I couldn't even wrap my head around it at the time. Uh, a, I think they just showed me that they loved me very much. And B, it was kind of their way of saying, we're tired of driving two hours up and two hours back to bring you home, to drop your laundry off with us so you can go hang out with your friends. <laughs> But uh, this car, this car was, uh, it was probably six or seven years old at the time that I got it. It was, uh, it, it, was, it was in good shape. My parents got a really good deal. The body was in good condition. The interiors were well taken care of. Relatively low mileage. Uh, really, the car only had one problem to speak of. Um, it was possessed. <laughs> Now, now, I never took it into a mechanic to get that as the official diagnosis, or a priest, I guess, but, but I'm pretty sure. You, you see, this car, whenever I would be driving, especially at you know, higher speeds over, over longer distances, well, once I would get up to about 40 or 50 miles an hour, the car would sort of just take it from there. It, 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 we, we would, I, I could take my foot off the gas pedal and the car would keep going at the same speed even though I did not have the cruise control set. Sometimes the car would decide that we're just going to go ahead and accelerate like, yeah, Todd, we just need to go a little faster. And it would just, uh, it would go ahead and pick up speed as we were going. And then whenever I would, you know, push on the brake because I knew we needed to slow down and, you know, come to a stop, you know, as I brought it to a stop, the engine would just start revving like crazy. It was as though I had the brake pedal and the gas pedal pushed at the same time. And I did not. And so I, I'm sure that there is somebody, a mechanic or somebody with some car savvy in the room who knows exactly what was wrong with that car. And you know, I'm 50-50 on whether or not I want you to tell me because I've, only, I've been going like 12 solid years on the possession theory. Ah. Well, like Brett mentioned, we are, uh, we're starting a short series this week, two weeks. It's called Idle Engines because it's almost race time. And yes, race time, if, you are, if you're watching online or uh, listening to this at some place that is not Indianapolis, we have kind of this big auto thing that happens here at the end of the month uh, called the Indianapolis 500. And, and as we were getting ready uh, for, for this and for, for a series that we were going to do here, I, I thought it would be maybe a good time to ask this question. What drives you? What drives you? It, 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 let, me, let me try and uh, flesh that out for you a little bit. What is the thing that propels your life forward in the direction that it's going? What, what is the thing that, that sets your priorities? You, you say no to something so that you can say yes to this. What is the, what is the thing that, that determines where you spend most of your time or what gets most of your attention or where a large portion of your energy is spent? What drives you? Maybe, maybe it's your career. Maybe you have, you have big dreams, big plans, ambitions for the future and it's, and it's what you're working towards there. Maybe, maybe it's not so much your job, but what it is that your job can bring you, the, the income that it brings, the, the resources that it brings, so that you can experience some of the other things you want to experience in life. So you can have more time to relax or more time to travel and, and adventure and, and, and some of those things. Maybe that's what you know, propels you forward. 
Maybe for you, it's, it's relationships. It is, it is a relationship with your parents or your children or your friends or a spouse. And, and it is, it is, your life is driven by getting to spend more time pouring into and getting things out of those important relationships to you. Maybe for you, it is, it is a physical activity, it is recreation, it is health. Maybe you're, you're training to run a marathon, or you know, it's, you know, it's almost summer, so getting your, your beach body, or you know, maybe, uh, maybe for you, it's, it's about getting healthy. Maybe you've experienced a season where you weren't healthy, and so, and so you're, you are driven by getting back to a healthy place again. Maybe for you it's engagement in a social issue or, or something that you, you volunteer with, something you're passionate about. Maybe, maybe for you it isn't something that, that drives you, but maybe you are driven by supporting the dreams and the drive of somebody else in your life, by supporting your spouse who you know is so driven towards something, or supporting a kid who you know is seeking out success in something. You can usually identify that by you know, the number of uh, little league games and practices that equal the number of times you eat a McDonald's per week. What drives you? Here's why I ask. And I, I want you to know I'm not coming at this some kind of sneaky way, not coming at this some kind of like, oh, I'm going to like snare people and be like, oh, haha, see, I showed you that what you have driving you is wrong. Like, I want to be very, I want to be very upfront with you. I see in our church, in our town, county, country, world, people who are exhausted. I see people whose lives, it just looks like they are just running ragged. They are chasing and chasing and chasing after something just to get there and like whew, take a deep breath and, 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 then, and then immediately start chasing something else because the thing they got to just didn't, it, it didn't quite it didn't quite complete them like they thought it would whenever they got there. I see people who are just like pouring untold, amount, uh, untold amounts of time, energy, resources into things that, that, are just, that are just wearing them out. And I ask you what drives you because I care about you. Right? Even if we've never met, I care about you. And I see a people who are exhausted, a people who are running ragged, who have things that are driving their RPMs into the red and who are just wearing themselves out. I see people who are being driven by things that promise to like take them somewhere or lead them to some level of fulfillment and then they get there and then it lets them down. But I see these things and they're doing damage along the way. And that, you know, that old car of mine, like I said, I'm not a mechanic, but, you know, whenever I would bring that thing to a stop and the engine would just be revving up like crazy, I don't know what was driving that car, but my guess is it wasn't very good for it. And I see us going through this, and I think that the reason God put this series on my heart, put this question on my heart, is because I see us exhausted. I see us worn out. I think that it's been a long time since some of us have stopped and looked at what is driving us. And I don't want us to be people who look back at our lives a year or 10 years or 40 years from now at time poorly spent and a life poorly lived because we let the wrong things drive us. So if you give me grace to ask you a little more personal question, 
is what drives you fulfilling you. Is what drives you fulfilling you. And I want us to answer that question slowly because I think that if we answer it just real quick, uh, we might come up with a a little bit of a a false kind of conclusion. Uh, I'm not asking if what drives you brings you happiness. It, It probably does, or at least if it's not right now, you can see that like when you get there in the future, it would bring you happiness. I'm not asking if what drives you is something that, uh, that makes you feel, like gives you a sense of accomplishment, because it probably does, otherwise you wouldn't devote the time and the energy to it that you're devoting to it. I'm asking you if that thing that you set your priorities around, if that thing that is, is kind of the central driver, motivator in your life, I'm asking if it fulfills you. I'm asking if it leaves you feeling complete or if it leaves you feeling depleted. I'm asking if it leaves you feeling satisfied or if it leaves you wanting more. I'm asking if that were the only thing left in your life, if everything else got stripped away, pulled away from you, and all you had was that one thing that's driving you, would it be enough? Does it have that level of staying power? And I, I ask all this and because if, if you know that the answer is no, or if you're at least open to the possibility that the answer is no, then I want you to invite to come with us this week and next week in this series as we try to you know, pop the hood open in our lives and take a look at what it is that is actually driving us. And maybe, just maybe, See if we can find something a little more fulfilling. Because whatever drives you is ultimately going to define your fulfillment in life. What I mean by that, whatever drives you is going to, it's going to decide, it's going to determine whether you have a life that is fulfilling or whether you have a life that leaves you wanting. And so if I can, uh, if I can put on my most cartoonish, stereotypical mechanic voice here for a second, Well, we, uh, we done popped the hood of your, your life open. And, uh, well, the reason you're not getting the, uh, the fulfillment performance that you're hoping for is that, uh, well, sorry to tell you this, you got an idle engine. Yeah, you were all weirded out by that. <clears throat> an idle engine. Uh, so... Let me break this down for you. I got, a, I got a theory. I got a hypothesis, but it's one I'm confident enough in that I thought we should name, name the series this. And no, this is not a misspelling of an engine that's just sitting there not running an I-D-L-E engine. My theory is that the reason so many of us are running so ragged and are being left so unfulfilled by the things going on in our lives is that we are being driven by idle engines. Now, you may be asking yourself, what is an idle engine? And that'd be a good question to ask because I kind of just made it up. Um, <clears throat> but uh, to, to know what an idle engine is or to talk about an idle engine, we got to go back a little ways into the Old Testament of the Bible and we got to talk about idolatry. So if you got a Bible or a Bible app handy, you can open up to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't, it's all right. We'll have it up here on the screens as well. Uh, here in Exodus chapter 20, we are, uh, we are getting the big 10, the 10 commandments. And, and whether this is like your very first time at church or your thousandth time at church, you've probably 
probably heard of the Ten Commandments. Uh, it's because they were, they were kind of this big deal. They were this, they were this moment in history, in the history of, of God's relationship with humanity, where he was giving them like some formal documentation about what our relationship with him was supposed to look like and what our relationship with our fellow people was supposed to look like. It was this big deal. And here at Kingsway, we believe that God loves us. And, and one of the many reasons that we believe God loves us is because God isn't trying to make us play some kind of cosmic guessing game. What does God want? Like, God wants to tell us. He wants us to be able to know him. He wants us to be able to know why he created us. And that's why he gives us these things in his word. And so when you go to Exodus 20, verses 3 and 4, this is what we hear from God. It says, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Now I'm going to unpack a concept for us real fast that's, uh, that's going to inform this whole conversation about idolatry, idol engines, finding fulfillment in life, the whole thing. Uh, and, and that concept is this, that everything in existence, everything in existence falls into one of two categories. And those categories are created things and uncreated things. Everything in existence is either created things or uncreated things. Now, in the category of created things, you have stuff like people, plants, planets, parrots, carrots, hairnets, internets, outer space, space jam, pearl jam, grape jam, uh, pearl earrings, gold earrings, gold nuggets, chicken nuggets, Chick-fil-A. You can't have any on Sunday, but God bless it. <laughs> All of those things, animal, mineral, plant, and everything that can be derived from it or activity that can come from it, all of those things fall into the category of created things. And in the category of uncreated things, there is one entry, God. In this way, because of these things, God is not like anything else. He is not like you and me. He is not like the trees or the air or the water. He is not like technology. He is not like activity. All of those things are derived from God. All of those things have their source and existence from God. Without God, none of those things would exist. I wish I had time to like unpack this more. It's an entire message or series of messages all by itself with Bible verses and philosophical proofs and a whole lot of stuff we can't touch on today. But here's why it matters. God's relationship with us, with humanity from the beginning, one of the foundations of that relationship was based on these categories. That there was God and there were the good things that God created. God is the author and the creator of everything. God breathed life and breath into everything. It is in him that we live and we move and we have our existence. God's purpose from the beginning is that we would seek him out to find our purpose and our fulfillment in life as he was stayed, remained close to us, his creation. 
And going back to Exodus chapter 20 and even beyond that, for thousands of years now, people have been mixing these two things up. We have been exchanging our uncreated God, God who who was meant to be at the purpose and, and focus and center of our lives. We've been exchanging him for created things, the good things that he created. This is what Exodus 20 would call idols. The people have been creating these little gods to try and find purpose and fulfillment. These little gods to take the place of the uncreated God. And you know, back back in the day, and even in some places still in the world today, people would make physical objects to represent these things. You know, they they would make them out of stone or out of wood or straw or precious metals. And, and, and they, would, they would physically show their affection to these things. They would pray to them. They would bow down before these things. They, they would offer these things gifts. Not because, not because the straw or the, or the metal or anything, not because they thought that those things were actually good, but because of what they physically represented. They would, they would make these little gods of, of weather and these, these little gods of the harvest in the hopes that they would have a good crop so that they could feed their family. And they'd make these little gods of health and these, these little gods of, uh, of finance so that they could hopefully, you know, that they could live a, a healthy and prosperous life. And over time, some of these little gods, they, they got names, you know, the, Zeus, Athena, Mars, Odin, Baal, Osiris, all these little gods that represented power and authority and victory and success and life and death. And people would pour out the the fears of their heart and the desire for fulfillment that comes that's natural in the human heart. And they would would give their their lives, their worship towards these things in hope of being fulfilled. We're going to talk a whole lot more next week about, about why it is we set up these idols in our lives. We're saving that for next week. I hope that you'll plan to join us or, or catch up online. But the short story. Long story short, maybe, is that while today uh, we in this room may not set up these, these, physical, these physical idols, this physical object that we would bow down to in our longing for purpose and fulfillment, instead, we set up idol engines. We take something non-physical, but we put it at the center of our life. And we let it be the thing that is driving us forward. We let it determine where it is that we're going and the things that we do to get there. We give it the bulk of our time and our energy and our attention. But these idle engines are burning us out. These idle engines are exhausting us because they've got us running in the red because these things, these created things, were never designed to take the place of God in our lives. They were never designed to be the focus, the center of all of our time and energy and attention. That's why so many of us feel like we are just running ragged because we have these created, these good created things at the center of our lives driving us, even though they were never designed to be the drivers. And the tragedy, the tragedy in having these idols driving our lives is that they are distracting us. They are distracting us from the solution to the problem that they are causing. 
the further they drive us off course, thinking that we can find our purpose and our fulfillment in these things that we set up driving us, the further away we get from the actual answer that they are good created things, but they are not a God. They are not God in his uncreated, holy, loving nature. That we were created to worship him, that we were created to give him our time and our energy and our attention. And that he created all of these good things, relationships, work success and achievement, relaxation, health, success for our kids. That he created all of these good things to be a part of our story as he weaves them in and sometimes out as he is taking us to the place that he created us to go. That's the tragedy of this whole thing. But there's hope. This is 1 John 5, 19 through 21. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Folks, don't for a second think that this idol thing just sort of like happens by itself. There are forces unseen that hate God, hate you, and want to make a wreck of your life. Verse 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and that he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God, the uncreated God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, Keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Some translations would say, dear children, keep yourselves away from idols. The hope is found in Jesus Christ. Here at Kingsway, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to earth to cut through everything that we set up at the center of our life, to cut through everything that is running us ragged and exhausted, to, to show us who God actually is. To help us understand that, that we have set up these idle engines in our life. But it is because of Jesus that we can actually be close to our creator God. That we can have him at the center of our lives. That we can have him being the things that we live our lives for. Because he is the only one that isn't going to burn us out. He's the only thing that won't let us down. He's the only thing that we can build our lives on without fail. He's the only thing that isn't going to run us into the red because nothing else was designed to do what he does. And we can know him by following Jesus, by experiencing who God is, by, by learning more about who Jesus is through his word, by connecting to God's people, the church, and by keeping away from the things that try to take God's place in our hearts as the driving force in our lives. Next week, I told you, we're going we're gonna to dig a little bit deeper. We're going to dig a little deeper into why idols get set up as the drivers in our lives in the first place, as we seek to change course, as we seek to try and redirect a little bit. But uh, with, the, with the time we got left together this morning, I want to take some time uh, trying to give us some help in recognizing the things that may have become idol engines in our lives. 
And some of you may already know. Some of you may say, I know exactly what's driving my life. But, but others of you, it, it may be a little bit harder to recognize. And, and the reason it's hard to recognize is because, remember, these idols, they, they're good things. Like, they start out as good creation things from God. And, and, and they're things that, that, are, that were created to provide us some happiness, even created to provide us some God-given fulfillment when we don't let them take God's place. And so sometimes it can make them hard to recognize, especially, especially if they haven't run us into the red yet, or, to be honest, if we're kind of enjoying the ride. So I want us to take a little bit of time to try and figure out how it is we recognize these things in our life, because next week we're going to talk about changing course, and we're not going to be able to you know, grab our axe and start chopping these things down if we don't recognize what they are in our lives. So I sought out some, uh, some other wise uh, pastors, and I want to give credit where credit is due. A lot of the rest of this material, it's a combination of things that I read from guys like Randy Alcorn, John Piper, and Tim Keller. And these guys are, were kind of helping me process through so I can help you process through how do we recognize when something in our life has gone from being a good thing in our life to being an idle engine that's driving our life. Number one. Number one, when we start doing a good thing in a way that God warns against. When we start doing a good thing in a way that God warns against. I'll give you a couple of examples. Alcohol. Alcohol, Scripture tells us, is a good gift from God. It's not a bad thing. In the book of Deuteronomy, the, the God's people, the Israelites, were told to like spend tithe money on buying alcohol for their celebrations. Jesus drank alcohol, and he, he did a very famous miracle where he provided alcohol to other people. However, the Bible is also very clear that God has some warnings against alcohol and some warnings particularly against drunkenness. That's not okay. If you take a good gift that God has given to a bad place, it's something that is becoming an idol in your life, an idol driver. And there are some people who very wisely would tell you, you know what, maybe you should just stay away from it altogether. And if it ticks you off when you hear people say that, even though they're trying to say, hey, alcohol has done a lot of damage. You know, people under the influence of alcohol have hurt a lot of people and have ruined a lot of things. And, and if it makes you mad hearing people say that, it's... There's a chance that you're holding it at a place where it's an idol, a driver in your life. Another example of this would be sex. Sex is a good gift from God. It was designed to strengthen the bond of marriage between a man and a woman who are committed to one another in marriage. But whenever we take sex out of that context, that's when we start to see it causing emotional and even physical damage in people's lives. But if you're someone who says, I'm going to do this the way I want to do this thing, and I don't care what it is that God says, it's something that's probably becoming an idle engine in your life. It's doing the driving, not God. All right, number two. When we find ourselves having great desire for non-great things, I'm going to try and confess a couple of things to you here this morning because I want you to know that this is a safe place for you to do that. My sports teams can be an idol for me. And I've tried to set up some checks in my life to you know, prevent that, them from getting to that place. But um, when I get so emotionally invested in an 18-year-old that I've never met trying to put a bouncy ball into a metal hoop for imaginary points... 
so that he and vicariously me can win a shiny trophy? I believe that sports are a good thing. They are not a great thing. In fact, in the, in the end scheme, they don't matter very much at all. And that's the place we need to keep them. This is one of the things that can be very tough about the activities that we as a society, as a society have our kids in today. Things like sports, theater, marching band, anything else that you could name. Like they're actually, they're, they're not bad things. They're things that can actually teach some really great lessons about teamwork, about accomplishing goals, about building relationships, about sticking through with something that you've committed to. They can teach great lessons. They can be incredible platforms. Hear me this, in this church. They can be incredible platforms for you to rub shoulders with other people, other families who don't know Jesus and have the opportunity to positively impact their lives. They can do all of these great things. But winning a trophy is a good thing, not a great thing. Learning to hit a ball better is a good thing, not a great thing. Even something like getting a college scholarship is a good thing, not a great thing. And so when we have desires, great desires for things for ourselves or for things for our kids, for non-great things, to the point that we start pouring a great amount of time and energy and money into these non-great things. We might have an idol driving us. And I know that, you know, that may be dropping a grenade into somebody's life. And I, I want you to hear me in this. Like, we're, we're going to talk about it. We're, th- there's a solution to this. This is not the end here. But uh, we're going to get there next week. But we have to identify these things first. All right, number three. Number three. When God's gift is being desired more than God himself. When God's gift is being desired more than God himself. I'll tell one on me again. When I desire success for the ministries that I lead or the ministries that I start or for people uh, to to get something out of the messages that I preach, you know, those aren't bad things. Like God put us in each other's lives to be encouragers, like to, to, to... pat each other on the back and say, hey, that was great. That really, you know, filled me up. Those those are good things. But when it becomes more important to me that people like the things that I do, that they're successful, than it is that I'm growing the way that God wants me to be growing and that people are growing the way God wants them to be growing, it's become an idol for me. The same may be true of you. You may be seeking out success in the work that God has given you to do. But whenever getting that success, getting that achievement becomes more important to you than the work that God is doing in your life and who he is trying to mold you to be, a good thing may have become an idle thing. When we desire a good gift, I've had some some of my single friends tell me that this is something that they wrestle with. When sometimes the desire to, uh, to be in that relationship or to have that significant other, that desire becomes more important to them that they stop paying attention to what God is doing in their life right now. And the way he's trying to grow them right now, a good thing starts to become an idle thing. 
Now, this one, this one might sting a little. If you're someone who is in a relationship dating someone or, or even considering marrying someone who, who doesn't love Jesus, but you love Jesus, I mean, that relationship might be an idol for you because you're talking about hitching yourself to someone who is driving a completely different direction than God is trying to get you to go. Here's one for the, uh, here's one for the church folks. When we put our comfort or our routine, or even our busyness over and above seeing ourselves or others grow in their walk with Jesus, that good gift might be something that's becoming an idle thing for us. I do preface, do not take this as a guilt trip because this is not where, they, where they're coming from at all. But, you know, a few weeks ago, for a few weeks, we did, this, uh, we did this big join the party initiative where we were talking about serving on Sunday mornings here at Kingsway. And our kids ministry was looking to have more people come alongside. Our kids ministry is still 30% short of the people that they need to serve in our kids ministry over the next year. And God isn't calling everybody to do that. Like, I don't want you to hear me saying God's calling everybody to do that. But these are our kids. And I'm not saying our kids, if you're just somebody who drops a kid off on Sunday morning, if you call this place your church home, they are our kids who we want to get to experience Jesus and know him more week after week. And if God maybe did a little stirring on your heart, but you said, eh, it's not my rhythm to be here for more than one service on a Sunday morning, or eh, I'm kind of I'm busy, that's a little bit too much of a sacrifice for me, that might not be a God thing. If you want to know more about how to be a, a solution to that, you know, come find me after service. If you don't know who to talk to, come find me. I'll make sure to point you in the right direction. All right, number four. Number four. When losing it ruins our trust in the goodness of God. Health, success, money, family, friends, authority, influence, these are all good gifts. But if that or anything else could be lifted out of your life, could be pulled out of your life, and suddenly you would start to question whether or not God loves you, if you would start to question whether or not God is really there for you, our health, the people we care about it, the, the things that we enjoy even, those are all good gifts from God, but we're not promised any of them. And God might remove one of those things at any time from your life because of the direction that he wants you to go, or quite honestly, because of the direction that he's trying to get somebody else to go. And if him removing one of those things, if we suddenly think that the God, the God who put breath in our lungs, the God who stepped out of heaven on our behalf because he loved us so much, if we suddenly start to think that he is not a good God, I'm not saying that it's not allowed to be hard. I'm not saying that it's not allowed to be sad. But if we stop trusting in the goodness of God, that good thing, it might be an idle thing. Uh, number five, this is the last one. <clears throat> when life only has meaning, or I only have worth, when fill in the blank. Any number of us, we could fill that in with a, probably a ton of different things, but 
If there is something that you are seeking out to give your life purpose, something that you are seeking to give you meaning, something that you are trying to find your fulfillment in, and that thing isn't becoming more like Christ, well, I don't know if there is a sure sign of an idle engine that anybody could have. See, because none of those things, nothing apart from Jesus, was ever meant to bear that kind of weight. I'm praying that you'll spend some time this week trying to identify any possible idle engines in your life and just call them out for what they are because next week, I promise, we're going we're gonna to give you everything that we can to try and help you change course, to try and help you get rid of these things because we love you. We love you. I don't want us to be a people who have these things in our life that we're chasing towards that are wrecking us. I don't want us to be a people who are burned out, who are burning out in a world that would have no problem watching us go down in flames. Our creator, God, loves you way too much for that. We're going to move into a time of communion this morning. Our servers can go ahead and start moving. If you're new, if you haven't been around church very much, uh, this is a time that Jesus gave us for every week to be able to remember just how much he loved us. We, it's a time that he gave us the small act of taking a little piece of bread and a little cup of juice to remind us that even though he was God, he stepped out of heaven. He became human, flesh and blood. That's what the bread and the juice represent. And that he saw the state that we were in. He saw that our lives were being wrecked, chasing after these little gods. And that he loved us so much that he couldn't leave us there. He loved us so much that he gave up his life. He was willing to sacrifice himself for you and for me. Because he saw us being driven the wrong direction. He saw us building our lives on things that were meant to crumble. He saw us. And he knew that we needed the source of true life. He gave himself up so that we could be connected to the true, holy, loving, uncreated God. Long story short, he did it to show us that he is worthy of our praise. And so we take this time, we take this time every week to stop and say thank you and to worship him. To worship him because he loved us so much. Would you pray with me? Father God, we give this time to you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for how you have revealed yourself to us. We thank you for how you are continuing to try and draw us close to you, Lord. That you want us to find real purpose, real fulfillment, Lord, in life. And that those things can only be found in you. Lord Jesus, we take this time to remember the cross. We take this time to remember, Lord Jesus, that you loved us so much that you, you gave up heaven. You gave up heaven to come here to show us the way. And ultimately to, to give your own life up, Lord, so that we could find true life in you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would continue to draw us close. Whether we've been walking with you, whether we are so far away, Lord God, that you would draw us a step closer, two steps closer. Lord, that you would continue to do a work in our lives because you love us so much, because you are holy and you are worthy of our worship and praise. We love you, Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.